take a bottle of chlorine bleach what? and dump it into the milk. I know that for a fact because I've heard it in California too. So when Mark's talking about these dairy farmers are going out of business, you're like, oh, why don't they just sell raw milk? It's like a whole different paradigm. It's like you have to be a responsible farmer to sell raw milk. I'm Jane Z, and this is Farm to Future, the podcast all about eating better for the planet. For some reason, the topic of raw milk has gotten a lot of hate. And today, we're getting to the bottom of it. We're going to answer two questions. Why should you drink raw milk? And is it safe to drink? And we've got just the two guests to educate us. Mark McAfee is the founder of Raw Farm. It's the largest raw dairy farm on the planet. They're raising 900 beautiful, clean, happy cows on pasture and producing raw milk and dairy products for over 500 stores across California. Mark then founded the Raw Milk Institute to share his practices and educate other farmers on how to produce clean raw milk for consumers. And we didn't even get to this, but Mark actually started his career as a paramedic, saving lives for about 17 years before he took over his grandparents' acreage and started producing raw milk for the Los Angeles area. I'm going to link his interview with Dr. Paul Saladino, where you can hear more of his backstory. And our other guest, Max Kane, is no stranger to the pod. He came on the show a few weeks ago to talk about his experience surviving Crohn's disease and healing his gut through raw milk and high-quality food. He's the founder of FarmMatch.com, where you can buy fresh food from local farms near you. I've personally been traveling this week, but as soon as I get home, I am getting my hands on some raw milk. I got so pumped after recording this episode, and I really want to give you guys my honest take. And you should do the same. Don't take Mark and Max's word for it. Go out and experience raw milk for yourself. I've linked out a couple of places where you can find raw milk near you. And if you'd like to dig more into the research, check out the link in the show notes to BC Herd Share that summarizes over 40 raw milk health studies. If you're new here, welcome, welcome. We are all about high quality food that heals your gut and the land. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And you can find me, Jane Z, on Instagram at farm.to.future. All right, on to the show. We're talking all about raw milk today, a pretty controversial topic. We've got Mark McAfee and Max Kane on the show. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having us. So I was just mentioning to Mark that um, Raw Farm and Paul Saladino just collabed on a new animal-based smoothie at Erwan, and it has beef organs in it. And so my first thought was like, oh, I don't know if I'd want that in a smoothie. Mm, but I polled my audience about it, and 75% of them said they'd try it. So I guess we're speaking to the right folks. And Max, you eat a raw diet, so this would fall in your diet, right? Absolutely. My my diet is predominantly animal foods. I've, I've been eating this way raw over 20 years. I've had great success with it. You know, I use this particular diet to uh, overcome degenerative Crohn's disease. There's there's a point in my life when I was uh, I was on permanent federal disability with the United States government. I recovered my health, no drugs, no surgery, all with food. Uh, predominantly raw dairy products. And I, I went to the U.S. disability office and voluntarily removed myself from federal, from permanent federal disability. When I went and did that, they said, uh, you know, you can't do this. You can't get off. There's no way to get off. I said, what are you kidding me? I, I just don't want the money. Give it to someone else. And 
isn't there a form? Can I get off this disability? Isn't there a form I could fill out? They said, no, no, there's no such thing. I've never heard of that before. So I had to, had to write a letter in and make it official and get it notarized and stuff. But I eventually got myself removed. And uh, other people that I know in my, my personal network that have eaten this way, all just, they do phenomenal. And, you know, I was looking to mitigate Crohn's disease to other people with asthma, arthritis, uh, skin problems that uh, everyone I know. I've I've never met anyone that started eating this way that had had a bad reaction. So animal-based diets, raw, the more raw, the better. Yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. And Mark, you have an interesting story of how you got into this business. But how how did you and Max meet? Oh, gosh, that was back in 2004, maybe, I think. I, I don't remember when we met. I, I've, I've been to um, so many events with Mark over the years. I'm trying to remember when when's the first well, time we actually One met. particular time early on in our relationship, Max was riding his bicycle across freaking America. Yeah, okay, that was that it? Then that would have been in, uh, that would have been 2009. That would have been February 2nd, 2009. Yeah, in, but we in, met before, in Malibu, we, Malibu, California. We met before that. I think at Wesley Price Conference or something. But Probably, Max yeah. was was torturing himself, riding his <laughs> bike twenty four hours a day across America in all kinds of storms and all kinds of things, uh, nourishing himself with raw milk when he could get it across the way. And I met him in Malibu and uh, celebrated his completion of his trip across America on a bicycle. And it was quite quite a homecoming for him to come out here. That's quite the testament to a raw raw milk slash raw animal yeah. diet. Especially a guy that was literally looking at some serious colostomies, ileostomies, God knows what, in his life being recommended by doctors with Crohn's disease. There's 130,000 ileostomies a year being performed in America, and that's normal. It's mm. crazy is what it is. And Max said, no, not on my watch. He's going to do something to recover his gut. And he did very effectively with his diet. So Awesome, awesome example of how you can heal yourself with raw dairy as well as whole and processed foods. Do y'all know of like Western allopathic doctors who are starting to incorporate raw milk and recommend that to patients? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of them. More and more of them are coming forward every day. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so obvious, you know, you can't just like deny when someone's got a terrible health condition and they change their diet and say, oh, that had nothing to do with it. You know, and unfortunately that does happen, but you can only really deny that for so long before good hearted people say, wait, you know, there's something to this. And so regardless of your profession, doctor, a scientist, <laughs> uh, teacher, lawyer, whatever, like when you meet someone and they, and they say, look, this is how I used to look, here's some pictures. And all I really did was change my diet. I mean, it's almost undeniable, but it's really cool that a lot of the allopathic doctors in the medical paradigm, because I mean, nutrition is a way to mitigate or treat diseases so far from the, uh, you know, drugs and surgery of the medical paradigm. But it, it's cool that, you know, doctors are coming around. Absolutely. Well, I, I've been sued by the FDA for simply doing one little simple thing. And that is on our website, no longer there, by the way, because we settled with the FDA, but we, on the website, we would simply post no claims or anything about raw milk. Just say, would you look at this link at the PubMed publication, the NIH and the CDC? And that PubMed, it, all those publications are peer-reviewed, journal-published, and have gone through the rigors of modern science and have passed that hurdle, right? So doctors are supposed to go there to get advisory education on how they treat their patients. It's, but that's supposed to be the, 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 the gold level, the gold standard for modern research and knowledge and studies. Well, there's 
over 70 PubMed links out, mostly coming from Europe, but they're on PubMed. We posted a couple of those and the FDA freaked out and sued us saying we had created a new drug that was unauthorized by the US, by the FDA. Mm. So they have successfully separated nutrition from healing and put in its place drugs from pharma. And so the emerging new awareness that we have is that people are really recognizing that gut health, overall nutrition, inflammation is driven by what you eat and conditions that you live in and perhaps love and sunshine and some other things. But fundamentally, it's what you put in your gut. And so it's really made the FDA, uh, the AMA, those big organizations, the academia that profess the FDA policies become more and more uh, untrusted and irrelevant because people are saying, I'm not listening to those jokers. They're ignoring what I know to be true. So yeah. they must be a bunch of fools. So yeah. we see that all the time. It's really quite a quite a character thing because Dr. Paul Saladino, for instance, is, is an MD, psychiatrist as well as an internist and board certified in practice in California. He, he lives in Costa Rica because he can't stand the heat here. But <laughs> he is really powerfully understanding. He's a great researcher. When he came to the farm and did his our podcast with me about three weeks ago during that Air One carnivore-based smoothie, which is extremely popular based on raw milk kefir plus some other goodies they put in there. Um, he went like crazy through all of these PubMed research articles and started talking about them. I can't say anything about them because the, the FDA will you know, bust my knuckles, right? But he can. He's an in- independent person, medical degree, and does what he wants to do. So it's really quite sad that the FDA and our government and our industries the pro-pasteurization industries want feverishly to defend their paradigm and keep people stupid. And people aren't stupid. They know how to read and they can go into PubMed anytime they want and read it. And by the way, the word of mouth click click between people is incredibly powerful. Um, that Max Kane's story and everybody else's story that's being healed by raw milk in their gut or raw milk plus a good diet. People will say, screw that. I'm going to do what I need to do to make myself healthy. They're not going to have surgeries and take more drugs and side effects and die early in life. So yeah, and that, this is you a know, paradigm shift. You know, also, they, they make you try to believe that, oh, like raw milk is unsafe. And if you pasteurize it, then all of a sudden it, you know, <laughs> it becomes like super safe and better for you. But what the truth is, it, is that there's been like way more people have gotten sick from pasteurized milk than than raw milk. There was a, a, a report. Max, 75 what? people. That's yeah. the national outbreak reporting system, the NORS system. 75 people have died from a pasteurized dairy product in the last 30 years. 75. Yeah, and so, so one or two on side. It's crazy. So there was the there was this expert report written by this uh, guy, Agents von der Planets and William Campbell Douglas Jr., this uh, retired medical doctor from the military. And in that report, they talk about all of these outbreaks from pasteurized dairy over the years. And I'm reading this report and I said, are you kidding me? One of the outbreaks was in Melrose Park, Illinois. Mark, I don't even know if I ever told you this. I actually lived through that outbreak. I grew up on the west side of Chicago. And I think it was like over 100,000 people got sick. And I remember this was, if I remember correctly, this would have been like 1985. I remember going to public school in Chicago and there's a big thing all over the news. Like, don't get the milk from the store. All these people are getting sick. You would walk into the bathroom. There's like freaking diarrhea all over. I mean, I lived through that outbreak of people getting sick from pasteurized milk. 
I've been drinking raw milk over 20 years. I've never gotten sick from it. Nothing but but health. So this idea that like raw milk is unhealthy and it's dangerous, and that if you pasteurize it, somehow like all your problems go away, you're gonna live in safety land. It's not even true, not even well, from a scientific this, like this, this is what's interesting, Max, is that two things that can be completely opposite of each other can be true at the same time. That's a very interesting thing. Depends on what you're looking at. In the 1880s, a lot of people died from raw milk in the downtown cities of Boston, New York, Philadelphia, even London and and Moscow, because the cows are being brought into the city from the countryside. Remember, we started in America, everybody was a farmer, and then slowly over 100 years, people started moving to the city. They brought their cows with them, and there was no pastures, no clean water, and filthy conditions, tuberculosis, brucellosis, everything in the world wrong with people and sickness and everything going on in the 1880s, 1890s. They called it the milk problem. Well, they were feeding their cows brewers, distillers grains exclusively, and the milk was like almost bluish gray. And people that were milking the cows were sick themselves. They put their feet in the milk to keep their feet warm because it was cold in the morning. It was disgusting, okay? Well, 1893, Strauss brought, he was a philanthropist early on, brought in the parboiler from France that was used in the alcohol industry to make, make alcohol better and get rid of the bacteria in the fermentation process. And they started boiling the milk in these downtown city areas. And well, what do you know? Instead of 50% of people dying, only four, uh, 10% died because the water quality was so terrible, they couldn't fix that problem. So that was the solution for filthy milk. Right. At, the same time, at the same time, Dr. Henry Coit was the founder of the American Association of Medical Milk Commissions, the AAMMC, established a physician board which certified dairies out in the countryside to produce clean raw milk. And they actually did preliminary sanitation bacteriology on that and looked at the samples in the milk and make sure that the low bacteria counts and all that stuff. Healthy cows, green pastures, clean water. And that milk was going to the Mayo Clinic to heal everybody. Yeah. So you can see the complete divergence where if the FDA is saying, oh, raw milk's horrible before you, they can talk about the 1890s and it's true. Or yeah, but now even hold on, I want to defend raw milk. Sure. Right? And well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend it even more because here's the thing. Here's the thing. They FDA it was peace for many, many years, but the FDA measures the bacterial analysis for tanks of milk that's going off to be pasteurized, and they find pathogens in there, and they're saying, that's the only milk, raw milk we recognize, and 33% of the time, that milk has a pathogen. It's true that that milk could make you sick, could make you sick if you have a compromised immune system, but they never, ever, ever go and test milk that's coming from a farm that's specially trained, that has clean conditions, and does all the stuff we do here at Raw Farm and other places back east and everywhere. Uh, to produce raw milk for humans where you don't find pathogens hardly ever. So it's an extremely biased view of the science and the practices, and it's not acknowledging standards. It has to do with only one standard prevail, it's their standard, which allows pathogens, and they're not looking at the other standard, which does not allow pathogens, and it's very, very clean. Go ahead. Turn yeah, okay, so that's you, that? you, you basically kind of made my defense. Like, okay. I, so I want to defend the raw milk, even from the, like the blue milk from the, you know, that's distillery milk. Yeah, people were getting sick, but that wasn't necessarily because of milk. I mean, if you raise any kind of food, regardless of what the food is in disgusting conditions and people eat that, you can't say like, oh, it's because of that particular food. It's really because of the way the food was raised. Totally. How else can you discuss it? I mean, there was standards associated with that kind of raw milk, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those standards and conditions and everything about that created a real bad problem. Yeah. So instead of instead of like calling out like, dude, we shouldn't be raising food like this. This is instead of like blaming it on the conditions and the way the food was raised. Instead, they just like blamed it on the milk. 
Well, Brett, Max, you're an enlightened kind of guy. That's the problem. <laughs> There's a difference between clean and sterile, right? Like no. what we want is clean raw milk, but you know, and with, with the good, healthy bacteria we need, right? For exactly. Our immune systems. Exactly. So let's get into that. Like, what are the differences between raw milk and pasteurized milk? We can start with the nutrition. Well, raw milk coming out of a perfectly healthy, wonderful cow has up to 700 different kinds of bacteria in it. Uh, it represents the biodiversity of the beneficial bacteria in the background, uh, inside the udder, on the udder, in the conditions where those are not pathogenic bacteria. They, they create the milieu, the environment, the conditions that are supposed to be there. That's what goes to the consumer, to the baby, to the mammal, to actually continues to support the biodiversity, which is absolutely critical to addressing inflammation and having a strong immune system. So if you're missing biodiversity in your gut and you have a very narrow band of bacterial species living in your gut, you're in trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, totally. And that's what's happening when you take antibiotics and preservatives in your foods and GMO with Roundups and all this kind of stuff and sterilized foods. You actually create a monoculture or it's much broader than that, of course, but you're creating a very narrow bandwidth of bacterial diversity, which creates a very weakened immune system that can't address the broader things that, uh, you know, humanity and the environment give you, right? So uh, biodiversity is key. Raw milk has 2,500 proteins in it, many of them highly functional and anti-inflammatory. Enzymes like alkaline phosphatase, it's very, very anti-inflammatory. There's all kinds of goodies found, the bioactive components that are carried in the butter fat cell and in the whey protein that are very, very, very important. It's supposed to be there. It's not just fluid to lubricate cereal. This is the first food of life <laughs> That is a intentional generation by generation pressure on the mammalian group of animals in the world to create the optimal food to build an immune system, to support and protect the baby and to nourish the baby wholly. It does three things. It directs, it protects, and it nourishes wholly. Those are the three things that Ramak does from the breast or from an udder that Build the immune system to make us strong when we're young and at every age. It makes your food more bioavailable. It makes your gut less inflamed. It does all those great things that you would want a baby to be protected from when it has the least amount of ability to protect itself when it's born. So it is an innately wonderful food. There are 40 different enzymes that have been identified. I'm sure there's more than that. Countless numbers of minerals available, vitamins created by the bacterial action in the gut, enzymes, including lactase created by the bacteria found in the gut, uh, all these kinds of things that are just magical as part of Mother Nature's blueprints that are literally wholly destroyed by pasteurization. Now, the FDA says, oh, the vitamins aren't changed, but just a little bit of the vitamin C is changed. That's what we're talking about, guys. We're not talking about the vitamins found in raw milk. We're talking about the bioactivity bandwidth of all the things that are there in a matrix of the first food of life are destroyed by pasteurization, not a couple of freaking vitamins. Mm. And so they're always saying, oh, the vitamin content or the, the fat content. No, no, no. We're talking about the bioavailability, the, the fact that they're whole and not denatured, the enzymes are active. Those things the FDA doesn't even acknowledge as part of food. Yeah, totally. And, and it even goes beyond that because... If you think about milk, milk is probably the only substance that can support life on its own. I think it is. And, it is. and so, so you know, science is like, okay, what, what are we going to discover in milk in maybe another 30 years? Oh, this other important thing that we need for life that we never knew about. I mean, in addition to the thousands of protein, everything Mark just said, I mean, think about the, the millions of things that are in the milk that we don't even know about that somehow make our bodies work. 
you know, we think like, cause we can send a rocket into space and this and that we have life all figured out. But if you look at, if you look at our report card, if you look <laughs> at the report card, diseases going up, you know, oh, well, you know, in the, the medical paradigm, when you get into a car accident, they, they do miracles, right? They'll reattach your arm or something like that. Doctors are great mechanics, you know, but sometimes what happens is, I don't know if this is a medical profession or the human being culture, race or what it is, but at some point we get like arrogant, like we know everything. Like milk has been working since before recorded history, <laughs> period. You yeah. think you think that would be enough of an experiment to say, okay, you know, <laughs> it's the only food of intention that we know of on the planet. Everyone can argue what the, the carnivores say eat meat, the vegetarians say eat vegetables, someone else is saying we're meant to eat bark off the trees, whatever. No one can debate. There is no debate that milk was intended to be a food. There, you well, can't argue about it. All right. If you think about you know the war we have right now with raw milk emerging in the marketplace, which is powerfully emerging, and raw milk from other species besides humans, the one bridge of peace which is extremely inconvenient is breast milk from human beings, because if you think about breast milk from human beings, it, there's it's undisputed. The FDA, the World Health Organization, the AMA, uh, pediatricians, uh, OB/GYNs, uh, everybody believes and agrees you should breastfeed your babies. The USDA food pyramid, if you go to the recommendations for, for nutrition, the USDA, you know, the first thing on the top of their first page is a baby being breastfed. And then they talk about it for the next three days, how fantastic it is to breastfeed your babies only. It's fantastic benefits. The same list of benefits, by the way, and, and even a little bit more than we have in the research coming out of Europe showing asthma, allergies, fever, colds, ear infections, all these skin issues going away when you when you consume or protected from when you drink raw milk. Same kind of things found when you have human raw milk, which is another mammal. We are mammals. We are animal mammals. Very similar across all species Absolutely. in terms of raw milk. So there is a real uncomfortable truth there. Now, what's <laughs> I find profoundly crazy is the FDA refuses to acknowledge their own PubMed links to the same issue. They suppress it and they say it doesn't exist. It's not science. So that gives you a real insight into the fact that there is a connection between the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry and the fact that, that doctors aren't trained, at least most doctors, some are becoming more trained now, are not trained in prevention through nutrition. I, 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 I got to say something I got to quote here. You, you mentioned about an uncomfortable truth. This was texted to me earlier today. If the truth makes you uncomfortable, don't blame the truth. Blame the lie that made you comfortable. Brilliant. I love that. I like that. Well, 6% in 1961, 6% of our gross national product was paid on medical care. Right now it's over 21 or 22%. We're going the wrong way real quick. Yeah, so totally. What was what what's what's been a massive wake up call was about three years ago, March of 2020. What did the doctor say? Don't come to the hospital. We can't help you. You're on your own. You know where our raw milk sales went through the freaking roof because people started doing research going, what can I do to build my immune system? What can I do to take care of myself and my family to prevent prevent myself from dying? How can I be healthier? You start seeing people exercising more, eating more whole foods, protecting themselves to make sure that they were not a victim, that they were actually strong in their immune systems. Raw milk is the most powerful immune system food. It's the most anti-inflammatory food on earth. And so 
people start to recognize that. Now, I recognize that only a small part of our civilization recognized it. But to a producer that's producing raw milk in 500 stores in California, mm-hmm. a small shift is massive to us. Yeah. And ever since then, we last year we grew 28%. And what's interesting is on the natural food markets, I've got a slide to show I, here. This slide says it all. On the natural products industry, their units in pasteurized milk dropped. They had a loss of 1.2% unit sales. On the raw milk side, ours went up 48.6% on the right-hand side of unit sales. With a 28% growth here on the right-hand side, the only reason they had a little bit of growth on the left was because they increased their prices by 10%. So you can see that there's a massive shift in consumer awareness where raw milk that's from farmers that are trained really, really well, using sanitary practices, we're talking about the AAMMC stuff that was back in 1893, we've taken that to the next level, and testing. And what do you know? You don't find pathogens. And if you do, it's extremely rare, and you can catch it because PCR, you can do the testing rapidly now. So the science has advanced to the point where it's accurate, rapid, and in October this year, will be on-farm. It's, it's really incredible. Spec Labs is doing some incredible stuff now with us. It's going to allow this on-farm testing to be done on-farm, six-hour data, e- emailed to you at the end of the test. You just put the sample in, it's done in six hours, you get an email to be able to be tested whole. And so the FDA is literally stuck in a 1893 dogma. Totally, totally they're outdated, man. Totally. They're, they're yeah. lagging like crazy. When, when, Jack in, when Jack in the Box had the E. coli thing back in the eight, 1980s, you know how long it took for the FDA to agree to a five degree increase in temperatures to cook hamburger? 10 years. Jeez. These people are stuck in a dogma that is stupid. Yeah. And so they're, they're in if you want to I mean. live, ignore the FDA, first of all, and start talking to people who actually done their homework and know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I was I was going to wonder how, you know, perception of raw milk changed over COVID, because on the one hand, you have this, you know, fear of infection and like sterilize everything. But it sounds like what you've seen, at least from your end, is like people really taking control of their health and, and their food. Not everyone, but those that have become awakened to information or influencers. Thank you very much. I'm going to share one more one more slide with you right here. <laughs> this, this slide will blow your mind. Influencers. What do you got, Mark? You got Hillary over here. You got the Tory Spelling, Julie, uh, Julia Roberts. You've got Danica Patrick, a race car driver. You got over here on the right hand side, you got Paul Saladino. You got, uh, you got Sylvester Stallone. You got Dan Rimes. I mean, it's just incredible to see. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Dude, did you see my, did you see my, uh, my interview with Abby Rockefeller? Dude, she, oh. she said the whole Rockefeller family, they all grew up on raw milk. Their father, yeah. David, no like. Her grandfather, John D. Jr., all the Rockefellers drink raw milk. I mean, it's- we have a waiting list of over 100 influencers that want to receive product from us to influence their hundreds of thousands of followers. We've already got millions of followers under our big influencers, but influencers are driving the market, not the FDA, not academia, not the official word. They, they said the official word has lost their academic, ethical, it's high ground. Nobody wants to believe them anymore. And unfortunately, some of those guys know what they're talking about, but they won't listen to them because they're from academia. Our consumers are saying, heck with those people. I am going with what works. I'm going with the guys that know what's going on, that they can feel, they can visit, they can touch. The influencers are really making a huge difference. 
That's amazing. I, I want to put an asterisk on that because there is a lot of information out there and social media is not the best place <laughs> in the world sometimes to find, you know, the right info. But like you said, there is documented research. There's over 70 studies on raw milk and its health benefits. I know legally you're, you're a little bound here, but what can you share about some of the research coming out around raw milk? I would say it's the same list minus a couple of breastfeeding benefits. Remember that when a baby couples to a mama's breast, it's communicating bacterial information back to mom. And mom's saying, oh, you've got that bug going on. I'm going to give you an antibody to fix it. So there's a two-way street between babies and moms. You don't get that with raw milk directly. You get it kind of indirectly. Um, the bacteria found in raw milk actually builds antibodies because it's the experience that your body can expose to these bacteria. And you have a natural antibody response that creates that wonderful uh, antibody level in your body, right? So you have the AGG, IgG, all those antibodies in your bloodstream, which actually protect you from those kinds of bacteria as well as their relatives. So you get more of a breadth of beneficial antibodies. And in three weeks, my wife and I, Blaine and I are going to Ireland. We're going to Cork, Ireland, going to be there for two weeks. And I will be the only farmer in a room full of 130 PhDs to study lactation and mammalian milk at the International Milk Genomics Consortium. This is the 14th year I, I've, I've attended. 14th. I'm always the only farmer in the room. <laughs> and I will stand up, and I've got the respect of everyone there. I, I make friends with them. It's really great. I'll stand up and grab the microphone in very, very diplomatically and kind way. I'll ask hard questions because they're interested in progress. There are so few of them, especially those in the USA and Canada, that can speak because their grants will be taken from them if they say anything good about raw milk. But yet I, everyone- I want, to, I want to throw something else in here on behalf of raw milk and raw dairy products, especially raw cream as well. But a lot of times we talk about immunity. There's so much beyond milk than just the immune benefits. We live in a pretty toxic world, all right? We, there's a lot of pollution in the world. And what happens is when we take this pollution in our body, oftentimes it creates an acidic environment in our body. There is no other food that has like the calcium, magnesium, potassium, the alkalinizing minerals the way milk does. And this is from my experience. Hey, I'm not a, a scientist or whatever. You know, this is my faith. This is what I believe. But you can you can try some raw milk or cream and experience it for yourself. But spe specifically for the people that live in the cities or in the area where pollution is even greater than maybe out in the country. I think for those reasons that milk is even a more important food for them. Well, you're so correct. And when you're trying to deal with all these toxins, you need to have a healthy gastrointestinal tract and bodily functions need to be functioned. And that means it's raw milk, raw milk. It really, really does. If you think about the raw whey protein in the United States, the FDA has made raw whey illegal to be sold to anything. Raw whey comes off of cheese production. But raw whey is very, very powerful, anti-inflammatory, and it is a mast cell sta um, stabilizing protein. So when you consume raw whey, guess what? Mast cells are stabilized and the histamine response is limited or reduced. So it keeps inflammation from spiking and having chronic inflammation in your body all the time. We don't need chronic inflammation. That drives disease. Totally. So a spike of inflammation, fine. That's what drives us to go crazy, to fight something, and then it should be reduced down to a low level of inflammation so we don't have a disease process or an autoimmune response that just drives us crazy. Well, the only place you can get raw whey legally is from raw milk. You can't buy it on a store shelf because it's mandated to be pasteurized. So raw whey is 
whey and casein, the, the, the two big proteins found in milk, are found in raw milk and raw milk kefir and, and those kinds of things. So, uh, or you could just let your raw milk sit on the counter and it'll culture itself into curds and whey. Well, that's the whey part is the whey, right? <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And, and these are this is wisdom of the physiological blueprints of life, nature. That these people at the IMGC, what, what are, what's their big goal to be there? Most of them are trying to find that special little thing in raw milk, take it out, make it into a pill of powder and patent it for some big processor. They're not actually trying to make raw milk safe. I get in the room and say, you guys talk about all the fantastic things found in raw milk. Why don't you just make it safe and sell it? Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. I said, well, I can. I do it all every day. And by the way, we use technologies you guys have approved and, and used for leafy greens and meat and everything else to detect pathogens quickly. How many, how many people are drinking raw milk in California every week? It's hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Five, yeah. There's 550 retail stores carrying it. And we've got a push in about a half a million in sales per week. Wow. wow. It's not quite there. It's like 480, right? 450. It depends on if we can fulfill the cheese or not. If we and, fulfill the cheese, we're over half a million. So every you know, week. I, every I'd week. love to see like some kind of percentage chart on like um how many people versus how many like illnesses or sicknesses. It's gotta be like like nothing. The, the Whitehead and Lake did a PubMed study out of British Columbia, studied the raw milk, raw farm data, and well as data from all over the world on raw milk. They found that there was a 357% increase in raw milk consumption with a 357% decrease in illnesses or outbreaks that are reported. That's data that's four years ago now. In the last four years, because of increased training and understanding and, and reduction of liability and all the things we've done with raw milk Institute, it's even better than that, far better than that. Dude, it's crazy that you can't buy it in the store in every state. I remember the first time I came to California, I was like, you can buy this in the store, like this freedom, this is like the promised land. Oh, man. Well, I think that it's going to happen in the next 10 or 15 years as, as the current FDA political powers die off. There are people within the FDA that absolutely love raw milk, but their voices are suppressed and muffled because of the powers. Another thing that's going on, Jane and, and Max, that we, we may or may not know that's really driving this also. And that is that as raw milk becomes stronger, pasteurized milk and the big dairy people are getting weaker. Right. Mm -hmm. We lost eight dairies within 30 miles of our farm here in Fresno in the last four or five weeks. Eight oh, dairies. Wow. We're getting 14 bucks a hundredweight right now and they need 18 to 20 to break even and 22 to be profitable, 23 to be profitable. And I'm sure in Wisconsin, it's just as bad. Can so, they not transition to raw milk no, production? God, no. Think about doing raw milk. You've got to have good conditions for your cows. CAFO is not such a great conditions. They use antibiotics like crazy. Yeah. Okay? You have it's to a rapidly dump. paradigm on raising food. Entirely different. You have to rapidly put your machine on and dump that milk in the milk tank right away. And they give them up to two hours to chill the milk. We do our milk in two minutes. Chill it from 99 degrees. It's an entirely different set of systems. Dude, Jane, you know what some, I'm, I'm going to give everyone that's listening, I'm going to pull back the curtain on the American food system a little bit. <laughs> I mean, there's so many problems, but one of the problems with the idea, just the idea of pasteurization, one of the problems is farmers get lazy. All of a sudden they think, well, you know, I don't have to be that good of a farmer because the pasteurization has me covered. They're going to pasteurize and everything will be fine. And so what happens is, like the way a lot of this food is raised, particularly in the milk, the dairy industry, it gets so, um, I mean, <laughs> all right, I, I'm just going to tell the story. All right. 
I'm not saying how often this happens, but this has happened. And this is because of the pasteurization chemical mentality, all right? So when when you're shipping milk, this happened in Wisconsin. I'm, I'm not going to give the name of the farmer, but um, when you're shipping milk, they count, they do your coliform, you know, they're, they're checking to make sure your bacteria are certain levels or whatever. And, and so anyway, what happens is when the farmer's coliform counts are too high, what do you think the milk hauler, the guy who comes and picks up the milk, what do you think he tells the farmer on how to solve that problem? You better dump some chlorine in that milk and clean Absolutely. Up milk. Take a bottle of chlorine bleach what? and dump it into the milk. I know that for a fact because I've heard it in California too. Max yeah, so right well, it's happening in Wisconsin. Looks like it's happening out there. So anyway, Jane, that's yeah. like, so when we're, so when Mark's talking about these dairy farmers are going out of business, you're like, oh, why don't they just sell raw milk? It's like a whole different paradigm. It's like, you have to be a responsible farmer to sell raw milk. You know, it's, and you have to, you have to work with nature. You have to start the entire different principle. When those 89 dairies that were lost, the contracts to Horizon, the Northeast last couple of years ago, and Danone dropped their contracts, we actually approached them. We only got three responses. One of them was, I want to make sure you guys were real. I couldn't believe it. You could do wrong up. They didn't know anything about it. They said, and we have no interest in doing it because we'd have to deal with people. Remember, for multiple generations, these farmers have dealt with processors privately and quietly on their farms. All they want is a good paycheck. They don't want to deal with anybody coming to see the farmer, get to know the farmer, get to know the food. I love consumers. I love touching them and changing their lives for the better. But those 89 dairies, none of them went to raw milk except for one or two up, I think, in Maine, a young couple that did great with it. None of the rest did. Now, think about that. The paradigm shift also continues down the food chain. You have to deliver the milk to the store. You have to answer questions. You have to have a website. You have to take complaints. You have to test your products. You have to have a courier. You have to have insurance. You got to know what the hell you're doing. So it's a complete shift. These guys are older. The next generation is not interested. They're not there on the farm to take over from them. There's nobody to do the social platforms. There's no money because they've spent it all and they're near bankruptcy. So the paradigm is a dead end street. And the processors hate raw milk because raw milk goes around them from the farm to consumer. And they don't get included in the money capture. So <laughs> this is, you know, there's an old quote. It's always cheaper if you can steal it. Well, that's exactly what they're doing right now from the farmers. They're stealing milk below cost of production. And the farmers are their own worst enemy. I've told them I'm the vice president of the California dairy campaign. I'm the only raw guy in the, in the room. The rest of them are all conventional. I've told them, I said, you can stop this madness in one day. If you can get a consensus amongst all of you to stop shipping milk at the price other than what you want but they cannot collaborate. There's always a big guy that says, oh, I'm gonna ship milk when you don't and I'll take, I'll take you out. They can't collaborate or cooperate and therefore they can continually taken advantage of by the processors. So, they yeah, so this, this is like, for someone who doesn't know how like the milk market works, like here's basically what happens. There's a farm that wants to raise milk, right? And they say, well, you, you can't sell it. That's illegal, right? You can't sell it direct, right? And then, so they have to ship it to the creamery and guess right? The creamery dictates the price to the farmer. They basically say, well, this is what I can pay you for. And you can't really do anything else unless you want to spend who knows how much money and build your own pasteurization facility on your farm. You know, so it's a total monopoly price control, uh, buying milk from farmers for less than it costs to produce. What you're telling me before, some years back, Mark, how many dairy farmers, something happened like the milk market dropped and dairy farmers start committing suicide. Oh, you know, uh 
dairy farmers are one of the highest suicide rates in America, top three. I had a neighbor three miles north of me, Mr. Boss, committed suicide about 10 years ago on his farm. Yeah. So it's a it's a quiet pain because there's nobody that feels their loss. They're not connected to a customer that would say, I want my dairy to have raw milk because they're not producing raw milk. They're selling to be pasteurized. When that dairyman is lost, the only people that feel that is maybe the wife and the kids and a couple of relatives. And that's it. You're done. Yeah. So the mm -hmm. processors are taking advantage of the farmers. It's just, it's just the whole system needs like it's a total structure, disruption. It's the structure of the system. The Canadians don't have that system. They hate raw milk too, but the, the farmers are at the table dictating their own prices. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for the Canadian system because of that. But the only weakness up there is they should be embracing raw milk as an asset in the cottage industry to make themselves stronger. And unfortunately they missed that boat, but nonetheless, the Canadians have uh, thriving dairymen because the dairymen are at the table saying, no, you're going to give us this cost. Uh, and it's going to be above our cost of production. We're not going to get raped like the area in California or the United States. Right, right. Oh, man. Well, yeah, it's, are... it's horrible. Yeah, that sounds pretty bleak. Well, <laughs> <laughs> bleak. Going, to the, going to the flip side, Mark, can you paint us a picture of what raw farm looks like, where the cows are? Yes, show us. That's my it. product. That's the product sweating out here because a little bit of condensation on the outside because it's always kept cold. I'm at the farm store right now. That was milk. What else do you got? What's the next one? You got yeah. some so we've got that third one. Is that cream? No, the bond behind that. The one behind Keep, that. Rum out keeper. That's yeah. keeper. And then cream is cream next. Cream's right there. Yeah, I knew it. Nice. <laughs> and then last got, time I was in San Diego, I drank about four pints of your cream. Truly raw cheddar cheese has never been above 100 degrees, age 60 days. And then we have butter. There's not a lot of these, uh, this butter in the United States. This is truly raw butter that's never been heated. That's cream that's turned into butter. So, I, I, I want to drop some information for the food eaters of the world. Bring that that cheese back up. Never heat it over what? Never, never heat it over body temperature, 100 degrees. Okay. If you're listening to this, I challenge you to call up Organic Valley. <laughs> call up OV. I'm going to tell you what happened when I called them up. All right. They're selling raw cheddar. And I called them up and I said, how high do you heat the milk to? They said, well, there's no real law that says what raw means. There's a law right. that says what pasteurization means. Right. And, and if I remember correctly, he said pasteurization is 161 degrees for like 15 seconds or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and basically they bring the milk within like literally like five degrees of pasteurization. They don't cross the magic line, mm. you know, and then they call it raw, even though it's like like a millimeter away from being pasteurized. And so when OV told me that, when they told me that, dude, Mark, I started calling all these other creameries. I found out of like the 20 creameries I called besides you guys, there was like one other, one other out of literally 20 that like legitimately had raw milk cheese. And the rest was like, like, from my opinion, it was like a total scam. It was fraud to the consumer well, that they could be able to call that raw. Max, and really Max is right because they have not defined the word raw. In America, mm -hmm. the pasteurized milk ordinance, they just define what pasteurized it. So anything you do, mm -hmm. and it gets worse than what Max said, because if you think about it, if you don't own a pasteurization machine and have a license that's current to operate it, your product's not pasteurized. I don't care what you do with it. It's not pasteurized because that's a tactical issue. It's mm -hmm. a tactical certification because you can take that milk to 170 degrees if you want it and still call it raw because it's not pasteurized. It didn't go through a pasteurizer and you don't have a permit to operate a pasteurizer. So- mm -hmm wild west here in terms of what raw is and they know they sell a lot more raw cheese because it's a market niche but yet knowing that in fact it's truly raw that's why we branded ours truly raw cheese 
mm-hmm. because in fact, it's never been above body temperature, which means it retains all these bioactive elements down in, in raw milk. Will they, will they let you ship cheese across? Yes. Oh. Yes. It's aged 60 days. Right. Okay. And that enzymatic pathway actually reduces pathogens if they were present. Uh, they're salted and fermented in age 60 days. Uh, we test all our batches to make sure they're pathogen-free, but that cheese is in about 1,700 stores nationally through a distributor that we use. Yeah, so if you are if you buy raw cheese in the store and you're listening to this, I empower yourself, call up that creamery, get them on the phone, say, hey, how, how hot do you uh, heat up the milk and uh, empower yourself with truth? And when they hang up and they hang up, you know what the answer is. <laughs> you know, yeah. so is, that, is that the best way to find out for like raw milk and raw cheese if you're hey, sourcing from hey, a new try, farm? Try to call a national brand and talk to anybody. That's hard all by itself. You yeah. can't get through. You can't get through a human being to answer questions. Yeah, it's all 1-800 numbers. Yeah. Yep. I had a listener question, actually, one of my good friends, Ava, and I was wondering this too. Lactose intolerance. What about folks that are lactose intolerant? How, how does raw milk affect? Let, let me help you. Um, West Day Price and ourselves funded a $50,000 study at Stanford many years ago to study lactose intolerance and raw milk. It was kind of screwed up because we didn't design the study properly. It didn't go in a whole month. It only went for two weeks. But here's the physiological pathway by which people do not have lactose intolerance with raw milk. And I'll add a little bit of a level beyond that, which is that there is a scientific theory that there's something called a lactase persistent gene down in white people and some people, mostly white people in, in Europe. And that lactase persistent gene drives the body's ability to make lactase beyond breastfeeding as a baby. But guess what? The Maasai in Kenya don't have the lactase persistence gene and they drink raw milk all day long and have no problem. The Mongolians in, in Asia, in the Northwest part of, of China, don't have the lactase persistence gene, and they drink raw milk like crazy out of their mares and their horses. So is an excuse for pasteurization to say, you've got a problem with you, when in fact it's the problem with the processing of the milk. Now here's the process that's screwed up. Inside of raw milk, you have a biodiversity of beneficial bacteria. Many of those kinds of bacteria, the coliform bacteria, the bifidobacteria, the lactobacillus bacteria, and other relatives of those bacteria, create lactase in the presence of lactose. So if you have a gut that does not have enzymes being produced, you don't have the lactobacillus bacteria that are resident in your gut that have colonized your gut, that creates lactase for you. So you're missing the bacteria that makes lactase. Then raw milk goes in and recolonizes the gut. The gut microbiome then starts to have a new set of, of people living down there. They, their residence changes. And you get these beneficial bacteria that take up residence. And what do they eat? They eat the things found in whole foods. They eat uh, lactose sugar. They eat those kinds of things. And in the presence of lactose, they create lactase. Lactase. Explain, explain. Lactase is the enzyme. Lactose is the sugar. Exactly. you got lactobacillus creating lactase, which then helps break up the disaccharide, which is lactose, the sugar. So people that drink raw milk, especially over a few weeks or months, don't have any lactose intolerance. The most severe lactose intolerant will have some problems initially, unless they drink kefir. Kefir is raw milk. It has lactase in it, but it's probiotic density. And it's got so many bacteria. It's like 12 million per milliliter. Raw milk's got like 500. So you have an incredibly probiotic biodiversity of bacteria. And many of those bacteria create lactase for you. And a lot of lactose found in kefir has been degraded already because it's fermented. So 
So when when it's fermented, the lactase enzyme will pre-digest the lactose and it'll break it down into two simple sugars, exactly. glucose, glucose, and galactose. Yep, that's right. Um, so there you go. Lactose intolerance is an excuse for pasteurization is really what it is. And if you think about it, even the American Indians have no problem drinking raw milk because their gut can be recolonized with the beneficial bacteria, which actually allows the production of lactase. So raw milk is a universal food for all humanity. We didn't bring this up, but I just want to cover the argument for someone who's thinking in their head, because someone told me this one time. They said, we're the only species that drinks the milk of another species. And I mm -hmm. want to just rebut mm -hmm. that right now, because let me tell you how many times on the farm I've seen a goat nurse on a cow or a sheep <laughs> nurse on the cow. You know what I mean? So that, <laughs> if, and how, how many times in all the milking parlors I've been to, they pour a saucer of milk and the cats jump around and run and fight over who can get the milk first. So if, this exactly. idea that we're the only species that drink milk from an, another set of mammals is like totally, it, it's the, not, the, it's like the, an imaginary the, land. The archaeologists and the um, historical, what do they call them? The guys that do the um, uh, biological research from the ages, whatever, the researchers at UC Davis have found strong evidence in the genetics of humans that showed that their dependence on mammalian lactation was an incredible advantage. It kept people from starving. And the Romans took animals with them to feed their soldiers as they went around and dominated. You know, all these civilizations used raw milk as a way to not starve. And that was a competitive advantage to advancement of humans on earth. And they give a lot of credit to milk from mammals for that. The the first time I ever heard about raw milk, I think was about 10 years ago. And a friend of mine told me this crazy story of how he got some kind of stomach parasite or, or parasite in his gut. And he was like on bed rest for like a year, went to all the different doctors across the country. This was in Canada. Did they give me antibiotics? Probably he took every he took all the meds, nothing worked. And then finally, someone from Israel told him to try raw camel's milk. So he got raw camel's milk shipped over from Israel. And that did the trick and it healed, healed his gut. It was wild. In the mainstream, I feel like raw milk is still very this hush hush thing, like this alternative, like, oh, if you're suffering this autoimmune disease, you know, this is maybe something you should consider, but it's not like by the book. But you know, what's interesting is you have 50 different states in America right now and 50 different states of array, disarray. I will tell you this right now. In California, raw milk is normalized and it's mainstream like a mother. Mm. It is not fringe at all. Now, I would totally agree that there are certain state, states where it's very fringe, West State price only, hush, hush, uh, meet you at the midnight, you know, for the moonshine kind of thing. I get that. I understand it. I support it. I agree with it. But in California, no. It's like, fill it up, get more. Isn't, like, isn't that crazy? Isn't it so crazy how like, okay, here's a state in the U.S. where, and we're not talking about a state that has a population of 30,000 people either. 40 million. 40, 40 million people million. That, that have this successful food system that's working and nourishing people and influencing all these people. And then like you go over the imaginary line to one of the other states and like, you know, danger, you can't have this. I mean, it's almost insanity. You know, I'll tell you the story why. The, the story is really clear. Iowa, fantastic story here from Iowa. One of the producers we had that became, became listed with Raw Milk Institute, her name was Esther. She's in Iowa. She loves raw milk. She started a cow share and she started producing raw milk. It's illegal to sell raw milk in Iowa. 
And so she started about a year and a half ago. She became listed. She's got customers. Her husband knows somebody at the legislature. They went and talked to the legislature. And what do you know? They got a raw milk bill passed. And as of July 1st of this year, which was a few weeks ago, they actually have legal raw milk in Iowa. Wonderful. And they, used, wow. they used the Raw Milk Institute standards to produce it, which is awesome, real high standards. Well, interestingly enough, the legislators reached out to the Ag Extension at the university and said, you better train the farmers because we don't want to have this screwed up. We don't want people getting sick. You better do it right. So the Ag Extension reached out to me and said, hey, we're going to help train your farmers. No problem. They said, put together a slide deck. We're going to do an introductory training, which is about an hour or so. And then we're going to get into four or five hours later. So I put my slide deck together of 20 slides. Well, I did the slides in about 20 minutes. And the PhD from the local university there, Iowa State, said, you cannot show those slides to anyone in Iowa. We do not want farmers seeing that. No, no. We do not, <laughs> farmers, we do not want farmers doing their own lab testing, which mm. is easy to do. 3M Petri films is so easy. We do not want farmers to know anything about the benefits of raw milk and telling their consumers about that. No, that would be horrible. No, 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 no. They, they said, okay, take out those two sides. I said, fine, can we do the rest of it? We'll talk to them later. I said, your legislature voted for a paradigm change. You need to change your paradigm of teaching to match that paradigm shift in your legislature. They could not do it. They would not do it. So I said, I'll take out the slides. No problem. I'll do the rest of the training later. Three, three days later, I get an email from them saying, we've canceled the training saying there was lack of interest. It's okay, fine. Yeah. So we got the, raw, the, the, the Raw Milk Institute... Dude, dude, they were being honest. It was lack Hold of interest. Hold on Wait, a second. The, the, the lack of interest was in the executive branch. They were the ones that weren't interested. <laughs> it gets better, Max. It gets better. On August 12th, we announced we're having this training uh, for two hours. And we're going to have, we've invited the Ag Extension to say a few words. And then we're going to pour into it and really train some farmers. Guess how many people signed up, guys? 75. 75. Wow. So the university itself is stuck in a paradigm of policy stickiness yeah. where they are, have so much pressure and so much from the processors and the, uh, the industrial paradigm of the big dairies that are you know capitalizing there. They do not want to allow people to become enlightened and smart. They want dumb farmers. They want dumb consumers because they don't want to have enlightened people. That's Iowa, guys. Pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a shame. Well, yeah. we're going to train them anyway. This was the academia within the Iowa State University system would not approve our information. Even though it's all PubMed, all studied, all verified, validated, they didn't care. It conflicted with their, their dogma, their right. policy, yeah. their, their, mm -hmm. their, where, they, where they get their money, their grants, their beliefs. If you're listening, we're talking about the new food system. A lot of these agencies, and they're, they're on the old food system. This is not the food system of the future. Yeah, no, I feel like we just right. need to have a giant raw milk party across the country. <laughs> like everybody just needs to try it and and see for themselves. And the International Raw Milk Day. There you I'm, go. I'm voting yeah, there for There you it. go. There you go. Yeah. I like that one. We're having a Camping with the Cows event April 27th, 2024. Last mm -hmm. time we had that event, it was 800 people that showed up. We're going to have over 1,000 this year. Wow. Or I should say next year. And we got movie stars showing up. Everybody just comes there and loves on each other and has campfires at night and tours the farm, gets to know the farm, gets to know food. It's just a beautiful thing where you get to sleep out under the stars and, and be on the pastures and connect to nature. It's a beautiful thing. Your place in Fresno? Yep. That yep. sounds great. I want to be there. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you got me tempted. What am I doing on April 24th? Oh, <laughs> April 27th. It's a Friday, Saturday. 27th? Uh, April 27th. Uh, it, you know, Change is very uncomfortable for the establishment. 
especially when it's going through the throes of pain like it is today with pasteurization in decline severely. Google graph for pasteurization sales in the last 70 years, and you'll see a ski slope going downhill. I think part of that too is coming from the plant-based folks sure. and, you know, increase of almond, soy, you know, all the plant-based milks. I used to be, you know, in that camp and I, try, I dabbled in plant-based, was vegetarian for four years, tried the vegan, raw vegan diets, was like so sold on that whole narrative, but ended up destroying my gut, got IBS, also just didn't have enough fat in my body to yeah, function. Yeah. So I've been, you know, healing ever since, but there's so much money in the plant-based market and like Jane, that let me ask you, is so let me cool. ask you a question who created the market forces for the plant-based uh, fluid milk system who created oh, wait, i want to get in here and say something very important this oh, is who my, created that? this is who a max Haines opinion here max Haines opinion sure i think the term almond milk is total fraud of course Oh, yeah. but that's I, I, my I, opinion any of this plant-based milk, milk. I th- my but opinion no. is it's fraud to the consumer because Milk is something that comes out of the teeth of a mammal. All right. You just like milk doesn't come from an almond. It should be called like almond juice or almond. But Max, this is my Max, opinion, but I just want to get that in. Let, let's Max, get what, what, what were the forces that created alternatives to milk? Pasteurization did it to itself because what's the most allergenic food in America? Pasteurized milk. Number yeah, one. Yeah, it is. Number totally. one. So why would somebody repeat a bad thing? When raw milk is right. non-allergenic and fantastic and not inflammatory, it's actually anti-inflammatory. Dude, they're killing off their own customers. Yeah, they, they, they destroyed their own market because they failed to adapt and be resilient to the knowledge and totally. understand data and adapt and, and, and do something else, right? Mm-hmm. So we are part of the alternative raw milk, uh, the alternative milk rising. We're like goat milk and soy milk, except we're the real milk. That was yeah, yeah, real 15,000 years. <laughs> yeah. And and people find incredible value in it. And they're shunning oat milk and soy milk and every other kind of milk that's not milk to go to raw milk because it doesn't cause IBS. It makes IBS get better. And right. it's it's the real thing. It's the blueprints of life from Mother Nature. Yeah, and you it. can't fake it. You can't fake it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing I realized recently, like oat milk and soy milk, they have all these gums and, you know, things they're ultra processed foods, whereas raw milk is literally living food. In terms of like probiotic count and like bacteria count, you mentioned like raw milk, raw kefir has a ton, like hundreds. Um, But how does that compare with other fermented foods? Like for example, kimchi or kombucha. Well, those are all wonderful things. Uh, fermented things like kombucha, kimchi, those, those are lacto-fermented foods. That's great. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Part of your diet. But when you're looking for the bioactive elements found in the first food of life, they, they pale in comparison completely because they don't have the lactoferrin, the alkaline phosphatase, uh, the fats, and all those other things that are there as a whole food matrix, a complete matrix of life that feeds as one solution to a baby. Uh, you wouldn't give uh, kimchi only to a baby. You would not give kombucha only to a baby. Uh, raw milk is a whole complete food. And so it is completely different in that regard, even though perhaps uh, kimchi may have some lactobacillus, that's true. And so with, you know, the, the stobies, the symbiotic culture of bacteria yeast, the COBYs, uh, they're found in the, um, the keepers. So those are wonderful, refreshing drinks and part of a good probiotic gut. Great. But they're not a whole food. Remember that there's prebiotics. That's the whole food that feeds the bacteria, which are called probiotics. And probiotics, when they do their work, they create something called postbiotics. 
Those are the metabolites. That's the bacterial poop, which are the building blocks of all the things that need to happen to make it all happen. So these metabolites are very much important in terms of building blocks. They create the, the, the final things that are necessary to synthesize and create those other things going on in the mucosal lining of the intestine and so on and so forth. The mucosal lining of the intestine, we all know it's missing or very, very thin in those that have irritable bowel and those that have Crohn's and those that have inflamed inflammation. They got the mucosal lining is actually destroyed. Antibiotics just takes it out badly. But that's that's where these uh, bacterial colonies actually colonize. They colonize not only in the, the tissue layer, but they also colonize in that structure, which is not really part of the human body, but it's foundational to our protection, which is the mucosal lining, which resides inside the intestine, which actually is the inoculum for that stuff going through. And it's the, the working area. It's the mother nature's workshop. And that's gone when you have all these things, because all you have is inflammation and you just things go through you. That's why you have diarrhea and all kinds of problems um, where these, these prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics with this whole food, miraculous food called raw milk actually rebuilds some of the structures that are missing, which actually makes you more protected from pathogens, not less, and builds your immune system. So it's, it's the more you know about this, the more you know you're humble before God because it's such an incredibly abyss of infinity of how incredibly wonderful our bodies function. It's just the magic is feed it whole food. What can you say about allergies and how, you know, drinking raw milk protects you from allergies or like what, what's kind of the pathway there? The studies right, are very can I talk about my sure. personal go experience ahead. with yes. allergies? Yes, go, go back. Ahead. Okay. My per personal experience with allergies is this going to be really, like real easy to understand. Uh, when I drink pasteurized milk, I, I, I get very sick. Uh, I have a hard time sleeping. I don't regenerate cellular tissue. Well, I get, cramping, bloody stools. I mean, just terrible. It, it, it's ugly. When I drink healthy raw milk from grass-fed cows, uh, the opposite happens. I sleep well. I regenerate. I wake up with energy. I have normalized bowel movements. I mean, it's like wh whether you call those allergies or not allergies or, or whatever, but that, that those are the results I get when I eat these two different kinds of foods. The raw whey protein we were talking about, it stabilizes the mast cell, which keeps histamines from being released. And when histamines, they're the big disruptor. They're the ones that call the alert that masses increases all the inflammation in the body to go after things, right? So pasteurization destroys the whey protein. So you don't have that mast cell control. And pasteurization actually creates all those allergenic compounds that flood your body that your body says, get rid of. For instance, raw milk has nothing dead in it. It's all living, all functionally alive. Pasteurization has nothing but dead floaties all over it. It's got bacteria and how do you dead, kill bacteria? dead carcasses, dead bacteria yeah. carcasses. It's like a funeral home, the, the, the whole place. <laughs> now, the cell bodies of cells are broken open by something called lysis, and that's heat. 150 degrees, 15 seconds, breaks open cell bodies, goes boop, open. What the internal cell body, cell contents get spewed out all over the place. So you have pieces of cells, not living cells. So your body goes, what's that garbage it's doing? Like, it's like cellular puke. Yeah, yeah. It, your body says, get that out of here. So histamines are, are released and mucus is released to go and mass this stuff and pee or poop or sweat or cough it out. And so it is very allergenic. It's very inflammatory. Rama is not that way at all. Hmm. It's not that way at all. And there's also kinds of really cool tricks that Mother Nature's created to get the bacteria to go from the outside in the food all the way down to the lower gut. One of the tricks is, guess what happens to breast milk and raw milk when it hits the stomach? The stomach is acidic. The first thing that happens is it curdles. 
curdles immediately, like clabbers, like making cheese, clabbers, clabbers immediately in the acidic environment, it clabbers. How do you make cheese? Add some a vinegar, it clabbers. Same thing happens in the stomach. It clabbers immediately. The stomach is a cheese vat. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> exactly. What's that do? It protects the butter fat molecule or globules, I should say. It has all the bioactive components so the acid can't get to it to go to the lower part of the GI, which is actually alkaline and or neutral to allow for it to become active and do things below without being denatured in the stomach. So Mother Nature's got some really cool stuff that it does. And the secrets of life are truly in the birthing process in the first month. You study and understand that, you understand a lot of the blueprints of how we're supposed to function. That's why there isn't a vegan mom on earth that breastfeeds their baby that has a vegan baby because all vegan babies breastfeed raw fat, raw animal fat. Mm. So uh, think about the blueprints of life, pretty critical. There's there's vegan moms and dads in jail for uh, giving vegan uh, diets to the children and causing brain damage. It's insane. Uh, this whole wow. vegan thing is just out of control. So you've got to have a balance of wonderful vegetarian Mediterranean diet coupled with coupled with good fats and meats from grass-fed animals and, and animals that are in natural environments with that antibiotics and all that crap. And in that, you get that wonderful balance of, of nutrition in your gut with a cornucopia of life. I feel like the more I learn about food, the more the answer is just, you know, go back to the land, back to our origins, back to what we oh, as humans yeah. thrived on for years and years and years. Exactly. And on that note, I, I wanted to hear a little bit about the cows on your farm. How do you keep them clean, keep them happy? And uh, yeah, maybe walk us through some of the steps they go through. On our farm, we have a 500 acres of pasture and we've got some alfalfa out here too. And we're milking about 900 cows on that environment. They are supplemented like crazy. We have pasture access, the right kind of conditions for the cows, but also they're shaded. Right now we're at 105 degrees here. We've been 112 in the last month or so. So we have to have really big shade structures. And we use uh, manure compost that actually is a very good place for them to lay down. They're not ever laying down in wet manure. They're laying down in a kind of a comfortable manure compost or almond bed compost. And so the cows munching and crunching out, out there and they get milked twice a day. Uh, go in the morning at five o'clock and the evening at five o'clock and they get milked. We milk them 200 at a time. So we actually have four sets of 200. So you don't have a bunch of cows waiting. The first thing they do is get a nice shower where they're completely clean on the under, underside of the bellies. And that eliminates any kind of... of uh, what are the other 100? The other 100 are dry? No, there's 800. I thought you said 900. Well, there's 870 every day. Oh, okay, whatever. Okay, gotcha. Because gotcha. we dry off. We actually keep our dry cows in a different a different area. They have a completely mm. different set area. Okay. Anyway. Uh, they come in and get a shower and the belly flies cannot lay their larvae in the belly. So we don't have any belly flies anyway because of the washing on the belly. Then they go through a drying area. Then they go through being inspected on, a, on our, in our milk barn. We have a pre-inspection area where they, they stand in an area where there's no milking machines, but there's plenty of place to inspect them. And if there's anything we see that's not clean, they get washed again with human eyes. Then they walk into the milk barn. We're milking 40 on each side. It's a double uh, 40 or double parallel 20, I should say. 20 and 20, 40 at a time. And they are... Um, completely clean again with an iodine pre-dip. They're stripped. The milk is actually looked at physically to make sure it looks good. And then the, the, the machines are put on. The udders are impeccably clean at that point, by the way. Uh, the milk comes out of the cow down a, a, a stainless steel pipeline to a chiller. And literally it's 30 feet away. Uh, and that chiller drops the milk from 100 degrees, the body temperature of the cow, which is 99.8 or something like that, down to 36 degrees instantly within two minutes. So- wow. It's super clean, super quick, super cold. And then the milk goes into a silo tank, 6,000 gallon silo tank. And that silo tank, it sits there. And then at the end of the milking, we take a representative sample. Now that's a loaded word. 
but we take a representative sample of that. We don't take just a little bit out of one side of the tank. We have the agitator on, so the milk is spinning around inside the tank, slowly going around and around, and we draw out milk at a port over a two-minute period of time. So you're grabbing a little bit of milk from all of the tank, the representative sample. That milk goes to a lab in Fresno, FSNS, Food Safety Network, and we have a full panel of pathogens and coliforms and everything run on that. And we get that data back in about 18 hours. So that milk sits in that tank for about 18 hours. When we get the certificate of analysis back, we're good to go on that batch. Hmm. By the way, when we get the certificate of analysis back, that's by email, and I get the same data as all the guys that did milking. And when that data looks good, they all get a $50 bonus. <laughs> wow. So we've changed we changed the paradigm. And the comp and these guys have health insurance, they've got vacations, they've got good pay, they don't have long work weeks. And as a result, we have a, a salt team out there that is fantastic. It's on autopilot that knows this stuff better than I do. And I run the show because they are doing everything they can to make sure that certificate analysis is perfect every time. And rarely does it ever deviate from that. Then we take the milk in a truck to our, our, our creamery. Unfortunately, our creamery on farm burned down last year. We have to go to Fowler, which is 19 miles away. We're building a brand new creamery on farm, which is going to be state of the art with all of our, everything you'd ever imagined here on the farm. It's going to be a mandatory agritourism stop touch point here in California. That'll be done in about a year and a half. Everything's getting going right now, permitting and everything's happening. So and then it goes to our flower plant where it's kept cold storage uh, for literally about an hour. And it goes to a bottling machine where it's bottled, capped, labeled, and put into onto a pallet onto a truck to Southern California. So you'll see product out of here in about 36 hours onto a store shelf, which isn't wow. bad because we're getting a 21-day shelf life because of the management of our milk. It's very, very cold, very quick. All the bacteria that's in the milk isn't injured, but it stops growing. Because if you allow raw milk to grow very much, you start making keeper. You shorten the shelf life. So mm -hmm. it's it's something we perfected over 23 and a half years now. And um, we share this, by the way, with other farmers around the world as part of the Raw Milk Institute, because we believe that producing safe raw milk, good for humanity, is a purpose for all people, all farmers, not just us selfishly to take advantage. When I, whenever I travel to California, I'm, I'm buying Mark's products <laughs> in the store. It's all, it's yeah, all I, I drink. The I'm milk, like, I can't wait to get the, out the to butter, He's not The butter. Oh, man. I, I want, I want to. Just talking about this, I want to go eat some butter, man. But, well, yeah, you know, if, if you're traveling in California, try try out try out their products at the raw farm. The quality is exceptional. The milk was a four and a half percent butter fat, so it means four and a half percent butter fat carrying the bioactive components found in raw milk. Right, cream is forty percent butter fat. That is supercharged with bioactive components found in raw milk because it's forty percent carrying it. Okay, now butter. 86% butter fat. Now you tell me cream and butter are supercharged with bioactive elements, which help your gut recover. And that really mirrors the experience people have with our raw products, the raw fats where it's at. Hey, Max, where would you recommend people find raw milk over on the East Coast or outside of California? Oh, you can, you need to go to farmmatch.com is a good place. Match. I work with a lot of farmers on farm match that have good, clean operations, like what Mark is talking about. I always advocate for people to go out and find a farm as close as possible. Go on the farm, visit, educate yourself. Yes, yes. You know, help them with the milking. Say, hey, I'd like to donate a day of my labor on the farm. What can I help with? Get involved. Like what Mark is talking about, camping camping with the cows. I mean, that's uh, that sounds really interesting to me. But that, <laughs> that's where I advocate for people, man. Find a, a farm as local to you as you can. If you're lucky, 
if you're lucky, if you live in California or Arizona, you know, you know, in Arizona, you can get raw milk in the store. I was in Tucson, Arizona, and they were selling raw milk in the store. But if you're lucky, you can get it from a store. But even even then, even if you're getting raw milk from a store, at least once every so often, go to the farm that is supplying that store. Meet the farmer, meet their family, yes. know their yes. name, shake their hand. Yes, yes. So you can you can find farms at farmers markets. Drive out in the country and look for cows that are grazing on grass, not like a CAFO, but so that's what I'd yeah. recommend for people. Is there any last messages y'all want to leave with listeners? In the modern world we live in, there's still a fair amount of fear around raw milk. And I encourage you, if you're listening, if you've never tried raw milk, get your own experience. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Don't listen to Mark. Go experience it for yourself, but make sure you get some milk from a healthy farm where the cows are grazing Go inspect the milking parlor, make sure things look clean, and go experience it for yourself. I so agree with you. Connect to a farmer to really know the truth and, and get to know them. I, I think that one of my closing comments is the fear of raw milk is an American phenomenon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not shared by other countries, maybe a little bit in Canada, uh, but it's not shared in the European experience or the South American experience or the African experience at all. In fact, I know this for a fact. When we used where, to where was that? Where where'd you say you were traveling? They had raw milk and vending machines. What Italy. country? Italy. In Italy. Italy. Now, if you go to the farmer's market in Los Angeles, you have every moon star known man coming through you. You got people from all over the world there going to the farmer's market. And I would stand there talking about raw milk and you'd have the mom come up from America and she's overweight. The kids are all messed up. They're ADHD, scattered brain running all over the place. And she's going, I heard raw milk's really good, but I'm kind of scared. And then you got this really, and I don't want to be sexist, but sexy, gorgeous German gal coming in that just came out of Germany who's looking awesome, but their kids are all well-behaved. <laughs> and she says, I want 10 gallons, please. Thank you so much for getting raw milk like back home. Yeah, yeah. And all the children have perfect teeth too. Throw Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And they're all well-behaved and their gut's working and they're sleeping well at night and pooping right. And, and, and it's like, could you two moms talk to each other for a few minutes here and kind of straighten this out? Because one mom's really struggling with health and fear and all that stuff. And the other mom's got it going on. So we see that over and over and over again from people that come from other countries that are not obese and not diabetic and not having asthma and inflammation, but yet the American diet takes you right there. So it's American problem we've created for ourselves and it's from ourselves. Uh, and I think the solution is deep within us right here. We're doing it right now. The solution comes from farmers to consumers, not pharma. It's farmers over pharmacies. Farms over pharmacies. Farmers over pharmacies, guys. Absolutely. Nice. All right. Well, that is the new American dream. I think we can wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Mark and Max. This has been really enlightening. So much yeah. fun. Thank you again. Thank you, Jane. It was, it was nice seeing you again, Mark. I might I might see you in April next year. You teach raw milk, you don't sell it, guys. Teaching, mm. teaching, teaching. Inform consumers, train farmers. Inform, train, love. That's what it's all about. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to nourish your body and I'll talk to you next time.